Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of The Daily Grind. Today we have an awesome interview lined up for you while we are sitting down with the co-founder and CMO of Ready When Tech, uh, Sachin Bala. Sachin's an amazing man. He has so many lessons to share with you all. As always, be sure you have a pen, piece of paper, sit back and dive deep in today's interview with Sachin Bala. Enjoy. Today's episode is brought to you by the Just Go Grind podcast with Justin Gordon. As many of you know, I went from five days a week here on the Daily Grind to one day a week. That leaves plenty of days and a lot to learn from so many other people and Just Go Grind and the podcast and Justin is absolutely amazing. I would encourage you all to go and check out that podcast. He interviews entrepreneurs, CEOs, and other go-getters giving you actionable insight each and every episode. Some of the episodes and people and guests you've had on are absolutely amazing from Vanessa Du, who's the founder of a hundred plus million revenue dollar company, Health Aid Kombucha, and Rob Mather, founder and CEO of Against Malaria Foundation, one of the world's top rated charities, which has now raised more than 230 plus million dollars, which is absolutely amazing. To Austin Reef, who's the co-founder of Morning Brew, the daily newsletter with more than 2 million subscribers. As you can tell from those interviews alone, this podcast is phenomenal. So be sure, guys, go and check out the Just Go Grind podcast with Justin Gordon today. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Simply search Just Go Grind to find it. You can also find it in the show notes section of this podcast, everyone. Keep grinding. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. As I mentioned, today we're sitting down with Sachin Bala. Sachin's a creative and data-driven marketer that has built customer journeys and digital growth strategies across North America and internationally. He excels at developing foundational marketing initiatives for startups, grow-ups, and enterprise companies with a proven track record for success. He works closely with senior leaders and the senior leadership team to improve various facets of an organization through sales, product operations, and marketing strategy, user funnels, automation, marketing cloud, Salesforce, data segmentation, and implementation of digital media strategies and metrics. This is a super informative interview, everyone. As I'd mentioned, be sure you have that pen piece of paper. And without further ado, please meet Sachin. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Daily Grind. Today, we have a special guest for you. We're joined by Sachin Bala. Sachin, what's happening, man? How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Can't complain. Sachin, uh, for people being first introduced to you today, if you wouldn't mind just kind of briefly introducing yourself and uh, explaining kind of who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, sure. So my name is Sachin Bala. I'm the co-founder and CMO of Ready When. Uh, We're a new startup uh, that just is about to launch this year in Q4. We specialize in digital estate planning, and what that means is we're really trying to help people plan for the end in some ways um, and really try to help them organize their life so that their families and friends and um, their executors can actually have an easier time with handling their estate. Not only that, it's about protection, it's about security, and it's actually about making this process that hasn't really gone through a digital transformation as of yet and making it faster and easier for people. Got you. And when did, uh, when did the idea start to, to percolate, so to speak? And how did this uh, whole idea come about? Yeah. So um, one of my best friends, his brother, he's a notary. His name is Jesse Bate. He's the co-founder and CEO 
of ReadyWin. He has been a notary out in BC for about 16 years now. And in BC, notaries can actually do a lot of the legal planning that uh, lawyers do currently in Ontario. So they do will planning, they do a lot of the real estate work, stuff that uh, notaries out here can't do. So he was, he's been thinking about this idea for a really long time. And um, it came to me through my friend and he said, hey, would you want to invest? So I started talking to Jesse about it. And the more we started talking, it aligned perfectly with some of my experience um, that I've had with not only in advertising and marketing, but also in the startup world. And he, uh, we decided that I would come on as a co-founder and help build the platform and really make it um, more. At first, it was actually more about the security and the story. Right. And although that is a vital component of what we're doing, we've also built on top of that a journey. And the idea is that estate planning is one of those things that you don't want to touch till you kind of have to do it. And when you have to do it, it's always in the worst case scenario. So we just want to make it welcoming in a way where it's not so morbid of what you're doing, but it's actually helpful to you and, and your families. That's awesome. So uh, we'd like to kind of hit the rewind button for you. So uh, Sachin, let's let's take it back. How'd you get into to marketing? How did the career start? How, how did this whole path and journey begin? Yeah. So when I left school, uh, oh my God, years ago, um, I, I wanted to get into advertising and I got an internship at TBWA, Shy Day. And my first project was actually launching the first iteration of the iPod. Oh, um, cool. And uh, that started off my career and my love with advertising. I was in the industry for about 12 years, and I worked on Coors Light, Rogers, Campbell's, uh, Visa, um, and a few other smaller brands, uh, such as the Canadian Diabetes Association and some other ones. But as the industry started to adopt, uh, sorry, as technology started to come about, things like social media and digital advertising, I started to really get interested into the idea of how efficient it was. Like I always looked at a TV ad and I was just wondering like, how, how do we know people are watching this? Like I know news yeah. and everything, but it just didn't make sense to me. And as we started going through the digital advertising, I really started to see efficiency and the effectiveness of digital ads. And obviously back, you know, in 2009 and 10, when Facebook came out, it was the wild, wild west out there with digital advertising. And as we started to get, um, you know, more rules in place and make it a little bit more regulated. But, uh, you know, it's been great for the industry, but there's also been a lot of innovation behind it around data analytics and so forth. So as I got interested in the digital side of things, that led me to actually be interested in the product. And uh, when I started getting interested in product, I realized that a lot of the things that I would do to help my own clients, such as, you know, uh, the Rogers of the world and so forth, I can actually do for a product that I'm really interested in doing. So I made the leap from advertising into uh, technology. Um, I quit my job. I didn't have anything lined up. And I ended up at a, at a company called TradeRev. Okay. They built uh, the first digital automotive auction. So just to give a little bit of uh, history here. So most, uh, so in, in all across the world, there's all these physical auctions and these physical auctions are for dealer to dealer transactions. So they buy their cars. It's, it's hyper local. Yeah. Meaning it comes in on a Wednesday, you go get your car, you make your bids and it's, it's very ritual esque. And 
Um, there's a lot of side deals that go on and it's not very efficient. You lose a day of work for most times. And TradeRev had this great idea back in 2011 um, to to revolutionize that. And the, the, the president and the founder, Mark Endress, he actually was a dealer. And when he came on, he started to see that if he actually built something, he, he can make his own dealership very efficient. And he was a coder. So he started actually working on that at night and uh, in 2009, sorry, and then 2011 it launched. And so I came on board in 2016. I was employee number 70. And at that time they were, they were just in Canada and uh, the company really exploded at the time. Uh, you know, physical, uh, I mean, uh, smartphones adoption was huge. It started to get really, um, it started to grow and volume in Canada grew. So mm-hmm. we didn't have a marketing team at that point and they didn't know how to manage things. So I came on board to help them actually uh, grow the North American market. And what happened over the course of uh, three years was nothing but short, short of amazing. And it really... Um, gave me the confidence to do what I'm doing now, but it, it also gave me such a strong education on how to run a startup. It, to me, it was it was like going to school. We grew, um, by the end of 2018, we were 800 plus employees. Wow. And, and um, we were all over North America, coast to coast. Uh, sales had tripled uh, across that, and we started to build out our teams, uh, not only uh, sales, and but marketing. And I started to really play a, a role in creative solutioning, meaning I was involved with the product team. I was involved, involved with operations. I was involved with um, sales. Uh, I was involved with all facets of the organization. And it really helped me to understand how to, how a company can grow, you know, where are some system errors, where are some, you know, just uh, normal errors that we as humans make that we can be a little bit more efficient on. Um, and then, the big education came for me when we were acquired in 2017 by Car K A R Car Global, and uh, they brought up they were we were their digital auction arm that they wanted to push out, and they've invested a lot of money into us to do that. And so in 2017 we were acquired, um, which was a huge win for the company and for the founders. And then in 2019, uh, the 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 CMO of Car, my boss, he asked me to run international marketing. So that was a focus on Europe and the UK. And I did that for a year and a bit. And then just earlier this year, he asked me to run a new a new department that they were just forming in Car called Digital and Product, which uh, digital meant digital advertising and uh, digital marketing. And then a product was related to product and product marketing and really bringing forward the the wave of the future for car overall. Very cool. So because you've had this like unique opportunity of working in a startup from kind of the the ground floor and you've, you've kind of got your hands on everything, there's a lot of people listening who have aspirations of starting their own companies or maybe they're working in one. What are some of those key lessons that uh, that you learned early on? Like maybe or, or maybe some some mistakes that you see other people make to avoid. I think there's three core lessons for me that I learned. Okay. One, one is really be open. And what I mean by being open is, you know, everyone says to list, to be a great leader, you need to listen. And that's part of it. But it's also open to hearing problems that come from different areas that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that's not something I should deal with. That's not under my uh, job description. But a lot of 
if, if you consider yourself a marketer, which is, which, which to me is really around creative solutioning and especially in a startup where there's so many different little problems that can, that can, um, that can really start to roll into a bigger problem, almost like the Indiana Jones, uh, yeah. the ball that comes down, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you see things chasing you and you're like, Oh my God, how did it get so big? And so for example, in operations, we had a problem with titles. So the way that Trade Rev worked is that when a car was purchased, so uh, from a, from a, in our auction, so from a seller to a buyer, the the seller had to hand over the title to the to the buyer in order for the buyer to do something next with the car, sell it, do anything they want with it. In the meantime, the seller, the buyer would put their money into sort of an escrow account, which would sit with Trade Rev till the title's handed over. And what we started to see was that the money started accruing in our titles account to almost like $5.5 million at, at, a, at a given month. That's a lot of money just sitting there. But more importantly, what happened was buyers were getting pissed off because they couldn't get their titles in time. So then how did we fix that? So we came up with this creative solution where we actually mailed out a, a, a mock check that looked like a real check to the sellers to say, you know, uh, you can like, it was like written out for like, let's just say $1 million. Okay. And then the seller would open and they'd be like, Oh my God, a check for $1 million. And on the back would say, you can have this money so easily by just doing these two easy steps. Interesting. And we, we were able to reduce that $5 million bucket to down to 2 million within one month. So, wow. we started, so we started to see really the effectiveness of that. So the first lesson I learned was really around being open and, and, and all that comes with that. The second thing is, be humble. So mm-hmm. as, as I grew into uh, trade rev, uh, you know, I was the marketing lead and um, my team grew from just me to, to almost 15 people. And during it at a, at a given period, I was also just, I wasn't, I wasn't, I got to myself. Like I thought my ideas were the best. I thought it was all about me. And then I had to really take a step back at a certain point when my team was around three or four people. And I just had to ask myself, what kind of leader do I want to be? I don't want to be that kind of leader. And um, I, I, I had to take away the ego and really just really listen. And that changed the whole process for marketing. And it even helped the way that I dealt with certain departments. So sales, for instance, like, you know, you sometimes, you know, you hear things from sales guys and they're like, ah, oh, they're just sales guys. They don't know what they're doing, but Maybe the core, the, the the big solution they came up with isn't isn't uh, isn't the right thing, but there's a problem there they've identified. And if you if you don't listen to that, it could easily slip away, which you know kind of ties back to being open. So totally. they were very connected. The third lesson I've learned was how to be lean, and this was a big one for us in marketing. You know, uh, we're known as spenders, <laughs> and. Um, being lean um, not only refers to the way that employee count, I, I really kept the employee count to as low as I could, as long as I could. But at a certain point, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to get point, uh, done. You know, you can imagine a, an organization that's, that's growing from like 70 to 800 people. You can imagine the needs of marketing kind of, you know, flows with it in a certain capacity and a positive correlation. But the other thing was that as 
we're being lean, you know, you need to be lean with the budget and then that, but there's also things that you need to start doing to say, like, how can you be smarter and being lean? Mm -hmm. So how can you use data to make things more efficient? How can we do this? So we started to really look at things as this, this philosophy of being lean and it really helped like even marketing campaigns. um, I started to, uh, we figured out a way to tie revenue directly to every single dollar spent and um you know whether it was 100 percent accurate it was pretty accurate you know and that's a problem with that sometimes you know but of course um, we we were trying to be lean in every capacity and that really helped our organization um grow and help really the marketing team excel within the organization that's super cool man so when it comes to being lean like as a marketer, right? Like you're working on a lean budget. You want to work on that lean budget. How do you balance kind of what's worked to also like new things that are coming down in the pipeline a year, two years, maybe something that's happening now. How do you balance that? So when you saying balance that, do you mean like from, when I know what's coming down from a product perspective? Yeah. Or- like, like as a mark, as a marketer say, like when you look at new technologies that are being through like artificial intelligence or even stuff through voice, like how do you look and, and be able to determine how can we start to maybe test in those certain areas without being like too crazy, but still kind of focusing on what working is working now? Yeah. 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 So that's a great question, man. So the, my philosophy, which is, you know, digital, uh, more so of a digital approach and nothing's mm-hmm. wrong with traditional. I think there's a time and place for it. Yeah. But with digital marketing solutions, the great thing about it is you can turn it on and off very quickly and you could start to move dollars. So, so let's just say, for example, we had a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar budget for, for campaign A. We would invest, you know, in the stuff that we know that works like 70 to 80%. And our media team and our media partners and people that I would talk to would throw us so ideas that saying like, hey, what, why not invest 10, 20,000 here? And if it starts to work, we can actually shift dollars around. So yeah. I think, and, and just to tie to this too, I also think it's a lot of marketers are scared sometimes or just worried about perception. And uh, right or wrong on my end, I was never really worried about that because in day, if you're starting to really s- solution and win, you know, with the campaigns and whatever you're doing, it's going to speak for itself. So I always believe in taking risks at first. And and as long as they're calculated and you could, you could easily rectify without losing much money, I'm very happy to take a risk. And, th- and that's what we did with every campaign that we did, which and most of our campaigns lived very digitally. So we were doing things like hyperactive geofencing strategies, which is, you know, because we were dealer focused, we needed to figure out how can we get to a dealer because we don't want, you know, the mechanic in the dealership. We don't necessarily want the sales guy. We want the, the, the dealer principal. So it was like, not only were we looking for the needle in the haystack, we were looking for the hole in the needle to thread the needle through the eye of the needle. Got you. So, so we were figuring out ways, how do we get that? And we figured out a geofencing strategy, which was based on qualifications. So we would send a dealership an ad that would require them to be there from nine to five, f- at least five days a week. Um, and then, and then we tacked on um, something else, which was um, sites they may have visited. So okay. if they visited vacation sites or like, you know, they went to buying tickets for games 
or something like that, we started to think, okay, at least this person might be in the right direction and we would serve them the ad then. And that worked really well for us, but it was a risk, right? Like how do you reach these people by not going through some of the tested and tried uh, uh, methods that the rest of the industry is using, like print advertising, which is a big one for the automotive dealer to dealer industry. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the, the automotive industry, I was in the automotive industry for a bit. Oh, cool. So I, I kind of know the, the the auction business and the online auction. And uh, at least when I was in it, probably four or five, maybe, oh gosh, six years ago, it was uh, crazy to see how kind of old fashioned all of these dealers were. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, I've all, I, I, my philosophy is like, let's, let's do it brand new just because it's yeah. It's being done doesn't mean it always works. No doubt. And there's new owners being there and they're willing to try <laughs> new things. And a lot of car dealerships are, are, you know, a father will own it, a grandfather owned it, their son will own it. And now the owner taking over is going to be more uh, prone to, to, to try new things as well. So, yeah, very cool. So as you move into to ready when, right, like now, like you said, one of the things that really interested me and which I've heard from a lot of other people is kind of this process of going as working from a marketer say or in sales to actually like taking a leadership role Um, what are some things that that have helped you become a better leader a lot of the things that i mentioned to you like being open and so Mm -hmm. forth is uh, be humble apply to i think any leader and i and um as i started to take on ready when i think the biggest thing for me was around confidence which was can i take what i learned can I take not only what I learned, but, but my experience and can that translate into something that I could turn into something successful from ground up? Yeah. And for me, w- one thing was I can. And if, if, if this idea that I, the big idea that I had was rooted in, let's say marketing or advertising, I think I could have done it on my own a hundred percent. One advice that I've learned that was given to me was if you're going to go into an industry or any idea that requires you to sell or to to build something, have someone of an expert there. And that's why I partnered up with my co-founder, Jesse Bate, because he has such a, you know, have, being, being in the industry for 16 years, he has such a wide breadth of contacts, of knowledge, that even if their competitor came up that tried to, to copy Ready When, which I'm sure there's going to be, and I'm sure, um, I'm sure like, I'm sure people are already kind of thinking about this just with this current climate, right? For sure. But unless you know the ins and outs, it's hard to really provide the journey that we're providing. And that was something that we really kind of, um, eyed right off the top, which is there's this opportunity to guide and, and give a little bit of peace, not only for the, for the estate planner, but for the actual executor and for the family afterwards as well, we're creating a really nice path for them in, in the after death mode too. So we're catering to the whole process because I actually lost both parents. Um, you know, about, uh, I lost my mom in 2013 and I lost my dad in 2015. Um, so having gone through it, I know how hard it was. And me and my brother, we, we held on to this paper checklist. Like it was, our lifespan when my, my dad passed away later on mm-hmm. and we had to go through the full estate plan and it was so complicated. There's things you, we, ne- we had to research 
you know, we never even knew what probate was till my dad passed. So, um, the, the process is, is, is tattered and it's, and it's hard. So with the right partner, we were actually able to form the right journey, which actually makes not only legal sense because we want to make sure we're doing this right, but it makes compassionate sense. <laughs> so, so that was lesson number one for me, which was just partner with the right people at first at, you know, to make sure that you're, you're, jumping into a vertical maybe where you don't know but they know so having a partner who knows that made my jump and my leap much easier the second thing was knowing my experience and knowing i think if i didn't have trade rev i don't think i would be doing what i'm doing today because of the confidence and i think everything Mm -hmm. for me at least personally it ties back to confidence which is you know how how seeing you know the errors we made in certain departments, you know, even quick ones that were like, you know, you know, hindsight's 2020. So it's like, Oh, Monday morning quarterback, I would have done something different there. But now knowing that what I would have done different for say operations or sales or this, I can apply those lessons here now. And even marketing, I know what the mistakes I made. I'm not going to make those same mistakes now that I made back then. So, you know, it's just remembering and being very self-reflective of what you've been able to learn and apply it here to have the confidence to say, I can do this. Yeah. hundred percent. Like that's what's missing. I think in a lot of, a lot of new entrepreneurs, I'm sure you've seen this too, right? Like I'm a believer that some of the best entrepreneurs have, have worked in companies as much as you have, because you're able to see how things operate. You have money to actually spend. Like you're actually applying these things as you go forward where a lot of people, they're starting off with zero. They've never worked in it. And they're just like, it, it's like flipping a coin with 15 heads, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> it's super tough. So it gives you that ability. And I think a lot of people, if, if you're looking to do that, I think one great way, and correct me if I'm wrong, is to maybe get in with a company um, to, to learn that. Yeah. I, you know, I have a daughter. She's two. I think one of the biggest things I'm going to teach her is when she's ready to go in the workforce, I would highly encourage her to go through a startup. Because even if you start in opera, like, customer service, you will learn so much mm-hmm. just that process and the growth. And I really consider trade rep my, you know, my university and, and advertising my high school. I learned so much about work ethic and how to, how to do, how to think strategically and how to work with different companies and how to jump vertical to vertical. But at trade rep, I learned really about how to run a business. And I think that was what was missing for me from, in the advertising world, it's like you you are a partner to a business, but you're not the business. And being the business now and understanding how I would run marketing and sales, I actually have insight now that I can apply. Yeah, hundred. So so interesting that you, that you say that. So now that you're kind of a, a young father and you have a, a daughter who's going to grow up, like yeah. the plan for for university, are you going to push university or are you going to push more of like an application based learning? Ultimately, it's. Uh, uh, I, uh, me and my wife talk about it a lot and I am a big proponent for education, but uh-huh. I think things have changed so much. Like even if you look at the situation right now with COVID, mm-hmm. I just read an interesting article the other day in the Globe and Mail where they were saying that between February to uh, May of this year, e-commerce sales jumped 99.3%. And 
I think the writing's on the wall. Whatever pl- pe- uh, companies have plans for digital app, digi- digitizing their own business, and let's just say their roadmap was you know three to five years, it's now. Yeah. And if you're not thinking now, you're you're going to fail, and you're not going to move well because this is going to happen again. And you're seeing the efficiencies that you can have through digital app, digital chains, and di- digital methodologies. So it's I think it's more important about skill set. So if I could teach her the you know, coding, if I could teach her how to think strategically, I think those are going to be the roots of how to actually succeed in the future. So if I do that and she, she, she bites onto it, who knows, she might want to be a painter at the end of the day. I don't know, but like, you know, if I could teach her some of the things to guide her in the right way and push her in the right way, I'm hundred percent going to do that. Whether she goes to university or startup, you know, um, I'm not sure. It really depends on the type of woman she becomes. I love that. So for you kind of self-education wise, um, are there certain things you turn to? I read a lot. I I wake up every day, you know, uh, lately because of the fear of my being the startup, I'm up every day around (laughs) 5.30, like ready to vomit every day. (laughs) But um, I read a lot every morning till about 6.30, 6.45, and then I get ready to get my daughter out of bed. But I read like books or articles. Just articles in yeah. the morning, always the news. Because uh, one, I'm just curious and worried what's happening with the world <laughs> like overall. Everyone else. Sure that you know we haven't blown blown the, uh, a country out of the sky at that point. Uh, but I just want to make sure, like, I'm up to date and I read anything that I may have found. And then um, at night, I I actually have like I don't know if you can see right there. There's a stack of books. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm making my way through that. So I do read, and then. I actually lean on a lot of people. So um, I wouldn't call them mentors as much as just important people in my life that I actually like listen to. I, mm-hmm. You can listen to everybody if you want to, but not everyone's right. And uh, I don't also feel like a lot of everyone's opinions is valid to you, whether it might, it might resonate with you, but not me. So, but there's certain people that I've, that I've really listened to in my life about, you know, finances, about business and so forth. So I'll always make time to learn from those people. And um, I look up to them because of the success they've had. And they've somehow met, and and part of the books I love to read is bios, um, because I love to understand the choices people make. Because it takes guts to make the right choice. Like, you know, I read the Anthony Kiedis uh, uh, book, and, you know, his life was going very sideways, and he made a choice to be in a band. He made a choice to stick with it. He made a choice. And at the end of the day, he's the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. it was just interesting to see that. And, and, um, you know, and I don't mean this as a joke. One of the best biographies I actually ever read was, uh, Bernie Mac. He was a comedian, um, back in the day. And he started very late in his life and it was interesting, his persistence and his path and his determination to get where he ended up, which was being a comedian and, you know, being on a hit TV show, but just those choices. I, I, I just really love to learn about people's choices and how they ended up where they did. Uh, good or bad, you know, like it's just those life journeys are so important to me. Hundred percent. I, I used to see it for just relating this in sports. I played golf, so I was I was an athlete, yeah. and the amount of people that you would see with the talent level, th- there'd be certain people that could push through during those really tough times where you're in rough hotels eating absolute crap. Um, some guys couldn't. And yeah. like, it's interesting to see, like, just from those little small decisions, like their <laughs> willingness to almost 
eat a little bit of that crap during that moment. Um, That's a deciding factor ultimately for a lot of these guys on tour, even a lot of the success that I've seen in business. It's just their willingness to be okay with being at the bottom. Yeah. And it's the sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, at Trade Rev, I was working, oh man, like insane amount of hours. Like almost like I was working pretty much before my my daughter was born in 2018 i was working pretty much till midnight every night and um on the on sunday it was a pure work day uh, my wife knew i wasn't being bugged but you know that that sacrifice led to some you know great wins for the marketing team but great wins personally too so um i wouldn't take anything away from that but you know reading those books and understanding the fact that there's a choice to make where it's not always the easy path is something that I took away that I hope to instill in my daughter, but I've also instilled it in like my friends and my family, like my brother as well. Like it's important for them to see that. And the culmination of that was trade rev launched. Uh, you know, we had a very, we had a really nice office up in young and Eglinton, but it was, it was built for like, I think 200 people or something like that. Okay. Um, and then in 2018, our office building was complete in downtown Toronto, right at the corner of, um, uh, right, right across from Scotiabank Theater. Yep. And for me, having being a part of the, the 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 process and being part of the senior management team and being able to now move into uh, a company that had five floors in the heart of Toronto, the city I grew up in, it was a very emotional moment for me. Like when the sign went up, we we did this cool little time lapse and I shared it, but um, we threw this party and. I made sure to invite my wife and my brother because, you know, family is important to me, but I wanted to show them what I was, what I sacrificed time for. Mm-hmm. And they thought that night and it was really, it was an emotional moment for my wife when she's like, holy, like I didn't realize like how big this was. And it was a really cool, cool night. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's cool when you finally are, are able to kind of showcase everything that you've been doing. Right. Yeah. It's, it's tough moment. when you're in it. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Um, well, Satchaman, uh, if people wanted to connect directly with you, if people wanted to reach out or maybe just learn more about who you are, what you're doing, ready when, uh, where's the best place everyone can go? Yeah, so people can reach me on my LinkedIn account, uh, Sachin Bala, or they can go to readywhen.ca and just hit up us on the contact page and I'll be sure to reach out right now. It's me. We're wearing so many all hats right now. <laughs> Love it. Well, uh, everyone go ahead and do that. I'll share that in the show notes section. And uh, Sachin, really appreciate you taking time out, sharing a bunch of these lessons that you've learned and uh, helping a lot of people out today. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks so much, Colin. There you have it, everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you did, hit that subscribe button. Share this episode out with one person who you feel like would truly benefit from today's podcast. We'll be back next week with another one. As always, until then, keep on grinding.